Welcome to Lift, a parenting podcast where we ask the questions about family and faith. We recognize parenting takes a lot of heavy lifting, both in physical, emotional, and spiritual ways. Let's face it, raising a family is hard work. Some of us are doing it as a single parent. Some of us are working with a spouse. But all of us have questions every day. Are we screwing up our kids, our marriage, our relationships? And this podcast asks the questions that can guide each of us to finding our rhythm and creating a space for God in our home. Season four, we're asking the question, why church? In this year of 2021, where everything is still a bit different, some things still feel very similar. Let's take the time to ask, why church? Why is it important? Is it? This year reminded us as parents that we are the ultimate leaders with our children. This has always been true. Just in the past, we had different support systems to help us along the way. And in 2020, those support systems became distant, looked different, as we took on the heavy load of helping our kids learn, of tutoring, of loving, of discipline, counseling, playing, faith development with our children. So this season, each week, we're going to be asking the question, why is church important? As we look into the future of 2021, are you going to go back? Why should you? Welcome to season four of Lift. This is our first episode of the Why Church series. So we're asking the questions like, why is church important? We've been at home for a year. (laughs) Like, why do we need to come back? And so today, we're asking the question about faith development. So I've brought in one of my dear friends, Emma Williams, another gift of ministry to me. Um, we met through, where did we meet? Um, I'm sure that Kelly introduced oh, us that's because right. of my job. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. So and since we've met, we have very similar circles and it's just been fun. So, But Emma, if you'll tell us a little bit about yourself and what you're doing now. Sure. Well, like Kim said, my name is Emma Williams, and I work primarily for the North Texas Conference. So um, I work in faith formation and mainly work with children and youth and people that work with children and youth um, on continuing education and development. And I'm also the children's pastor at Grace Chapel, which is a campus of Grace Avenue up on the 380 corridor. And then I also um, am married to Alex, who is an elder in the United Methodist Church, and we have two sons, a four-year-old and a one-year-old. And so that is our home. If you can imagine, um, I'm sure some of you are in this with the pandemic with little ones is um, just a, a journey every day. So <laughs> that's I always say, like, I've been praying for my friends with little ones because my children can feed themselves right. and, you know, do those things mm-hmm. right now. Yeah. yeah, it's a different rhythm for sure. Um, but we're getting the hang of it. I mean, we've been yeah. here for a year, so we're living <laughs> might, into it. Might as well yeah. move and groove. Mm-hmm. Well, I couldn't think of anybody better to ask about faith development. You have such, um, you're so articulate about it, but you also live it both in your, you know, you're both of your roles. You're, you're an advocate of why faith is important. So I thought I'd start with like, what is faith development? Like simply. Right. Um, We think about faith development and it gets kind of scary because you feel like you have to be an expert on faith development. Um, But really what faith development is, it's the same as any other development that we watch our kids going through. We watch our kids 
learn how to crawl and then walk and then run and jump. And those are physical developments. We watch them learn how to sign and then speak and then put sentences together. And those are mental um, developments. We watch them learn empathy and how to control their emotions. Those are socio-emotional developments. Um, it's one of the things that makes us human. It's one of those things that we grow into. Faith development is just simply the way that we are wired to connect to something other than ourselves. Okay. And oh. I love that. I'm going to interrupt you real quick. Yeah. So you're telling me that if somebody grows up in a household that is not Christian or not um, faithful, I'll say mm -hmm. that maybe they're Jewish or Hindu or whatever, but if they're not, mm -hmm. there is still an innate sense of faith. Yeah. And we can see that um, in the way that kids respond to the natural world. They do that very innately in these big wondering questions. You know, I wonder how do the clouds get up there? I wonder um, how do rainbows form? I wonder what happens when I pour this water onto the hot ground? I mean, they have these big wondering questions and that extends into, you know, I wonder what happens when grandma dies or I wonder what happens um, when I feel scared or, you know, these, mm -hmm. these sort of existential questions. Um, we're wired for something other than just very concrete um very, um, very matter of fact things. And you see that in kids, they're open to that. Um, there's this book by Lisa Miller, the spiritual child, oh, and I love that book. it's so good. And for anyone who like, likes data and, um, <laughs> and yeah. needs some convincing, um, it, it has studies that show that it's this wiring that we have as kids, just as we're wired to learn how to do things like crawl and walk. Mm -hmm. We're wired to connect to something other than ourselves. Isn't that the same book that talks about mental health and the connection? It is. Okay. That's mm -hmm. what I thought. We won't get into that right now, but it, it was astounding to me, the factual data mm -hmm. that that book provided mm -hmm. that children with faith are less likely yep. to develop um, Drug dependence yeah. are less likely to be suicidal. Doesn't mean it fixes everything. Right. But it it's the data was astounding. To oh, me. my gosh. Yeah. I mean, she I think it was 70 to 80 percent mm -hmm. less likely to heavily use substances or um, abuse substances. Yeah. Um, and you're much less likely to um, experience negatively things like anxiety or depression. You have tools to work through those things when right. they happen. Right. Um, and it's not about um, it's not about beating orthodoxy into your kids. It's about saying this thing that you feel already, you feel that connection. Right. Um, and this is how we nurture it. This is how we grow it. And so when you think about faith development, once again, we get all scared because we are worried we don't know the right answers. But we give our kids books before they know how to read. <laughs> right. And yeah. so yeah. And so that's what we're doing with faith development. They're not going to understand the breadth of our faith right now, but you start small and you start with that love of God and you build that foundation so that they grow into someone who owns their own faith. That's it. And I just want to do like a pause right now to all the parents who think they don't know the answers, but they're not doing it right. If you are listening to this podcast and you are thinking about it 
and you are trying, you got it. Definitely. Definitely. Because I do think fate, like sports development, language development, Mm -hmm. people feel like they have more skill with that with Mm -hmm. their children. When it comes to faith, we get frozen in fear sometimes Mm -hmm. on if we're going to answer the questions right or answer it wrong. Exactly. So let's, okay, as the church, how does the church, maybe we need to go to in 2019. (laughs) (laughs) Right. But I mean, I don't by any means think the church has stopped anything. No, definitely not. It's been different. Mm -hmm. It has not stopped. So maybe not. How does the church general help with developing faith? So I think that when we think about the church, we think, first of all, um, of the professionals that are at our (laughs) church, of the people we call, quote unquote, experts. And that's certainly one way that the church helps us with faith. We're surrounded by people that have done this Mm -hmm. for a long time that feel called to it. And so that's one small part, I think, of how the church helps us. It equips us. Yeah. Um, It makes us feel like we're grounded. It helps ground our own personal faith as parents, Mm -hmm. as family so that we're raising up kids. But I think too, more than that, the church provides a place for us to see faith in community, faith in diversity, different ways of expressing faith. When I was younger, I thought that I wasn't doing faith right, especially when I was a teen, because I wasn't as um, emotional about my faith. Mm -hmm. And so I thought I was, I thought I just didn't, didn't get it. I wasn't doing Christianity, right? Right. Um, but in my church, through um, youth interns and just you know my parents, some of people in their Sunday school class, I saw that. I mean, that part is important. That emotional connection is important. But there's another way to experience faith too, and it's uh, the learning part and the um, the sort of uh, growing knowledge of who God is. Mm-hmm. And so, not only did I learn that's okay, it's okay to experience faith like that. But also these other ways are ways that I stretch who I am. Um, And when we're only trying to say, you know, this is a very small lens of who faith is, (laughs) then you're not allowing um, your children and yourselves to see the full breadth of who God is, which, of course, we can't even ever know fully. But when we're in community, when we're in that community of faith, we see how people experience God. We see that people experience God in different ways. And that we can experience this beautifully diverse God um, who touches each of our lives um, and who um, who comes to us in a lot of different ways. And we can see that faith is something we do together. Yeah. We struggle together. We learn together. We grow together. And we're there for each other when things get hard or to celebrate when things are great. I love that. I love that. And you really just touched on several things in our podcast next week where we're talking about why church and community, mm-hmm. that that each person is so crucial to the body. Right. And each person experiencing things different way and bringing their own gifts and talents makes the church community full. Exactly. Exactly. So I think in 2020, parents have recognized that we are the primary blank. Oh my gosh. Right. You name it. Right. Mm -hmm. And so faith development, (laughs) I think has been for me, I mean, I'm a pastor, you're a pastor, you're a double pastor family. (laughs) Right. But it's been overwhelming not having the weekly tie-in like we had before. Mm -hmm. Um, Because of that, Brett, other people's voices are so important. Mm Mm-hmm. 
But for this podcast today, let's think about why and how parents can really help in developing faith. I'm going to put an asterisk, especially when we feel underqualified. Right. Well, you know, um, I talked about the experts that we have at church sometimes, and those people are such gifts. Kim, you are one of those people. <laughs> um, I am technically one of yes, those people you are. too, though it's, you know, it's always hard to say that <laughs> about yourself. Um, and so, um, and so it can feel a lot like, well, I'm not an expert. I mean, I'm not going to go and try to teach a math class. I'm not an expert on math, but this isn't exactly the same thing. Um, parents, what I tell my people who teach Sunday school for the first time, and they're a little intimidated mm-hmm. is that when a kid walks into a Sunday school class, um, as a teacher, you don't have to have all of the answers, but what you need to know is that especially younger kids, they see you as kind of a proxy for who God is, mm-hmm. who is God going to be that, who is the God that I encounter going to be like, it's going to be like my teacher at school. It's going to be like my parents. And so when you think about what can parents do, it's showing that love, it's showing that forgiveness um, and saying, this is kind of who God is like, we're mm-hmm. not going to get it right all the time. And that's part of, <laughs> uh, that's part of being, um, right. Being yeah. <laughs> a parent who teaches faith as well as teaching repentance and forgiveness and saying, Mm -hmm. I'm not perfect all the time. Um, But especially right now when we're all stuck at home, it's putting, uh, it's saying that faith is important to our lives, even when things get in the way, even when there are other commitments, our faith, our relationship with God is more important than those things. And I know that that's hard. Mm -hmm. I know that that's hard. Um, It's hard to say, we're not going to go to a birthday party. We're going to go to church on Sunday morning. Right. I know that that's hard. Um, and there's balance that has to happen. Um, but we have to know that it's not really about the Bible stories that you teach your kids, but it's about the way that they see you live out your faith. Where is your faith important to you? And where do they see you live that out? Okay, so in my house, like that, that statement, I agree with fully. It overwhelms me a little bit yeah, because it makes me feel like I need to be a perfect parent. But you and I have that same personality where we're we're drawn Uh to need to be perfect. Um, But I know you're not saying that. In fact, you said it's about grace Mm -hmm. and repentance and forgiveness. So what does that look like in a household? Well, um, I don't know about you, but the (laughs) um, pandemic has worn on my parenting nerves. Yes. have I done my best parenting in the last year? Maybe like a few moments, but a lot of it, a lot of it has been me looking back and saying, that was not the best way to handle this. Um, and I try to model that for my child and saying, I am, I am sorry that I yelled at you. I was frustrated because you weren't listening. Can we try again? Yeah. Um, So how is that like faith? Right. I mean, I think that you, once again, your kids are going to understand who God is by who they see in their lives. They can't, uh, kids are so concrete when Mm -hmm. they're younger. They don't understand. They can't comprehend of a God that is different from something that they have experienced. Right. And so, I mean, how do we talk about God in the church? God is our father. God is our parent. Mm -hmm. And so who is our parent? Um, Our parent, someone um, that loves us and that, um, allows for us to have mistakes right. and to say, we're sorry and to try again. 
I was actually talking to another colleague this morning and he told me a story about in a seminary class, they were translating Greek or Hebrew or something. Mm -hmm. And it was the Ten Commandments. Mm -hmm. And one of the students in the class um, was Indian, like, no, Asian. No, he came from a different language. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I can't remember which language it was at this moment. But the professor said, translate it both into English and in your home language. Uh And in his home language, honor your father and mother translated to honor adults who are admirable and deserve it. Hmm. Interesting. Huh. That is a mm-hmm. interesting way to look at that. Right. You know, adults, because I do believe the church is bigger than your family. Right. Right. Definitely. So, yeah. okay, I get off topic because that's <laughs> what I do. Okay. So what do you say to the family who has kids and maybe they go to church? Maybe they don't. Maybe they're from a mixed mm-hmm. re- religious family mm-hmm. and they're just going to let their kids pick. Sure. What do you say to that? So I think I understand um, wanting to have such a large decision be something that a child who's growing into an adult has some agency over. That's why we do confirmation. Absolutely. Is to say we've that, you know, in the Methodist church, we've baptized this child. Now this child gets to choose it for themselves. And so I I understand that, um, that thought process. I think, like I talked about before, spirituality, a um, connection to something higher than you is something that is going to happen. Mm-hmm. And in that same, in that child's spirituality book, um, she says that if you don't start connecting that with something higher, um, and um, it's not necessarily um, the God of Christianity, um, but something higher than yourself, that hole will be filled by mm-hmm. something that feels bigger than yourself, friends, substances, um, social media, mm-hmm. um, that, that pull to connect to something larger is natural. It's developing at the same time as your kid is growing taller and emotionally. Um, and so I think what, what you can do, um, is you give them space. You start with a faith um, that's o- that says it's okay to ask questions, right? A faith that says, you know, we love everyone, no matter what, and that's not sappy. That's um, that's a call to discipleship, and that's a that's a challenge. Mm-hmm. Um, and when and you it's s- hard, and it's hard, <laughs> it should be hard. Right? It sh- it's not something that's passive. Mm, um, yeah. And so, you start with that. Um, and you give them room to ask questions. You know, a faith that doesn't have room to ask questions is not a strong faith that will hold. It's not a steady faith. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you give them ownership of their yeah. faith. That um, that stat about the seventy to eighty percent right. of um, stu- of adolescents who are less likely to um, participate in risky behavior. That's only adolescents who have a personal ownership of their faith. Let me talk about that for a second. Cause I saw a change in my, one of my children, <laughs> I don't know, it blurs <laughs> together, but one of them as they were going through confirmation. Mm-hmm. So in the United Methodist church confirmation is, and it depends on the church you go to Sure, here at St. Andrew, it's a year long class. Some churches, mm-hmm. it's a six weeks class, some whatever, but it is a intentional education period um, in the church where children can then at the end of that period, 
proclaim their faith for themselves. Mm -hmm. And I saw a switch of my child saying, my mom says, Mm -hmm. or my blah, blah says, or the Bible says to, I think it says this. Mm. And it was this like moment of, oh, they're naming their own faith. Right. And that is what's going to help them in 20 years. Yes. Because mm-hmm. they don't need to know what I think in 20 right. years. Like I helped develop it. Exactly. But they're taking it. And that's what faith development is, right? Mm. You can't start at confirmation and say, oh, well, we've been singing songs about Jesus, but now we're going to get serious about it at <laughs> yeah. 12 or 15 Mm -hmm. or 18, whenever you do that. Mm -hmm. Faith development is saying you are always connected to God from the moment you are born. Mm -hmm. um, And we're going to nurture the way in which you can understand that connection. I had coffee with a church member this morning, socially distanced. It was fine. Mm -hmm. And um, she was talking about she has a baby and she wanted to make sure she was doing everything she could Mm do to instill the love of God in her. And I just looked at her and I said, the fact that you're even asking this, mm-hmm. good job. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And she's doing simple things like saying the Lord's prayer with her at night. Right. And then praying for their family together. And like, I can hear some people think, well, she can't even talk yet. Mm-hmm. But it's it's instilling that peace that mm-hmm. comes with hearing those words. Right. And the rhythm of saying a prayer for others. Mm-hmm. And I was just, I was taken aback by how simple it is what she's doing, right? but yet how profound it is today and will be in the future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's when you talk about like, how do I do this at home? It's not getting out a whiteboard and saying, (laughs) all right, when the writer of Matthew wrote this uh, (laughs) word, when we look at it in the Greek, it means that's, that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about saying, this is the rhythm of our life. Mm. Um, these are the things that we do every day. These are the things we that we do once a week. This is the time we put aside for God. And it's just the rhythm of our life. Just like we're going to eat breakfast, we're going to go to school, you're going to go to soccer practice, and we're going to pray at night before you go to sleep. Yeah. And you So of- talk about that. I love that. Okay, the rhythm of life. That's one of my mantras in life <laughs> is that um I juggle balls because they can bounce when sure. I drop them, when I get out of oh, rhythm uh-huh. instead of plates. Okay. <laughs> so in life, if I, as I'm juggling different mm-hmm. things, there are always soft rubber balls that can bounce when I drop one. But the rhythm. So you said different things like this is what we do daily. This mm-hmm. is what we do weekly. Talk about what could that be? Well, um, so we talked about um, a f- the pandemic is a time circle. At some point in, during <laughs> uh, during this year, we talked with my families about um, adding things weekly that order your day in a way that centers God. And okay. so things as easily as when you eat breakfast, um, you thank God for the people who brought the breakfast to your table and making it kind of a game. So thank you, God, for the grocery store worker who put it on the shelf. Thank you, God, for the truck driver who brought it to the grocery store and trying to get closer and closer to the source of right. where your breakfast came from. Well, I like that. Um, and that, I, I know kids, they kind of age out of things like wanting to talk to their parents. But, right. <laughs> um, uh, but it it thanks God for the for the people that make our lives possible, it reminds us that we're connected in God and community to people that we don't even see. But I'll say that, right? You have a four-year-old. I have a 14 and 17-year-old. Mm-hmm. So we're in different, but 
the fact that, that they are also connected to others who are connected to God. Right. Even if they're not as connected to me right now, mm-hmm. I'm good. Right. Right. You know? Mm-hmm. And so that practice has been, I mean, frankly, it's been vital. It's saved my kid's life mm-hmm. at times that, I mean, it has saved my kid's life. Having people in their life speaking into it when he was too afraid to speak to mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And I think that sometimes that's faith development. Yes. Yes. And that's surrounding the kids. So this whole season, we're going to be talking about why church. And um, I think I think it's important to ask the question of why do we go to church? Why is, you know, and so simply, if you could say in one sentence, why is faith development important? What would you say? Um, I would say that faith development lays a foundation to grow a disciple who's moving on to perfection. Mm. And we have to start when they're kids. We have to start before we think that they get it. Right. Quote unquote, get it. Right. We start young so that they have a steady, strong foundation of love and grace so that they can't, they can't move on to an adolescent faith until they have that strong foundation. So if I'm listening to this and I have a 10 year old mm-hmm. and I really haven't done anything, is yeah. it too late? Oh, certainly not. It's certainly not too late. Um, but you still, you still start there. I mean, you wouldn't start with a 10 year old who doesn't know anything about God and then go into, um, we're going to memorize all the disciples. <laughs> right. Like, uh, academically, a 10 year old can memorize the disciples, but that's not the bedrock of faith. The bedrock of our faith is love and grace that comes to us at no price. Mm-hmm. I love that. Okay, so this is the hardest question of the podcast. All right. Most people break the rules, so I want to give you permission. Oh, thank you. Uh-huh. Um, you have to pick either a child or an adult. Okay. And if so, which category? And then you just defined it generally, but what's one thing you'd want to say to them about faith development? So I'll, I'll pick an adult because okay. I think that children, it comes kind of naturally too. Yeah. Um, if we, uh, and so we're just kind of there to help nurture that. But I think as adults, we're a little, a little more reticent. And so in that vein, I would say to adults about faith formation, you don't have to be an expert. You just have to be willing to grow with your kids I love that. and learn together. You know, that's so important too. Like when you said that, it made me think like when my kid was little, and ask me, why is the sky blue? Mm-hmm. I'd say, I don't know, but let's go look it up. Exactly. We can do that with faith. Exactly. And that's giving them so many tools. It's giving them permission not to know. It's giving them mm-hmm. permission to ask questions. It's showing them, if you want to know something, here's the Bible. Here's right. this book of love that we have that we can go and look for answers in. And it's saying, this is something that we'll continue to learn about. For the rest of your life. I love that. Mm-hmm. I love that because we're never done, are we? No, no. <laughs> so, well, thank you so much for being with us today and sharing your wisdom. Yeah, thank you for having me. It's been fun. It's always great. Yeah. You can find information about our podcast on our webpage, um, on our Facebook page, and just make sure to visit our website or our Facebook page where you can su- subscribe to the show. It's in iTunes. It's all over the place now. So you'll never miss a show. While you're at it, if you found it helpful, please um, rate us online. That always helps us gain more listeners because I feel like this community can really connect with the world. 
With that being said, if you listened to anything today that really spoke to you and you feel like you want to connect with me, don't ever hesitate to reach out. You'll find my information on the website at St. Andrew United Methodist Church in Plano, Texas. I'm always here to connect with our listeners.